Rev it up and welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 1011. When you get to Porsche, it's like Ferdinand Porsche said, not only was Ferdinand, I think it was Ferry Porsche said that if we knew that it had so much potential, we would have made it smaller. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I'm revved up and so excited to introduce today's very special guest, Dean Palopoulos. Hey, Dean, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Ready to go. All right, here we go. And we're going to go pretty fast today. This is a very cool business that Dean has created. Dean Palopoulos is the owner of Polo Motors in Temecula, California. Dean was inspired by Porsche design and engineering so much that he created something beyond what Porsche had to offer. Much like Dr. Ferdinand Porsche, who once said, I couldn't find the sports car of my dreams, so I built it myself. So did Dean. He designed, cast, and built the first Porsche 911 four-cylinder engine that would fit into a 356A model Porsche. And for over 30 years, Dean continued to develop and perfect his design, testing it on both the street and the track. Then Polo Motors produced the world's first 911 air-cooled engine in a 356 Porsche Outlaw, equipped with modern-day suspension and brakes. And today, Dean and his company are known throughout the world of Porsche enthusiasts for their engineering and powerful Polo engines for vintage Porsche 356 and 912 models. So, Dean, I've told our listeners just a little bit about you and your company. Would you take a brief moment and share a little bit more about your business and a very obvious passion for automobiles? Yes, I've been doing this all my life. I was uh, very young when my dad tried to keep me off the streets of uh, Compton, and he kept buying old machinery for me to work on. And then I he ended up with a Porsche 356, and I worked on that for a long, long time. And I got enthralled with the whole uh, German, the way they did things. It was sort of organized. And if you thought, you know, you knew something about mechanics, you would do something. You say, you know, I would do it like that. And, and it, you come to another situation where something needed adjusting. You said, you know, that's common. I would do it like that. So I just got enthused and got excited about the mechanical aspects of the Porsche cars and just kept going from there. No doubt you kept going for sure. And that's a great metaphor, kept going. I'll let our listeners know, uh, and my regular listeners know I'm a big fan of Porsche. So I I know a lot about Porsche motors. The old 356s had four-cylinder motors, and then they transpired into the 911 six-cylinder motors. And that's what makes Dean's machinery so unique here, is when we say that he's created a 911 motor for a 356, some people go, what exactly does that mean? So before I get into the questions, can you kind of walk our listeners through a little bit about these motors that you built and why you did it the way you did it and what makes them so unique and special? All through this process of me being a mechanic and owning a shop and everything else, I worked on a lot of different automobiles, Porsche Marquis, and a lot of the 356 912 motors, I built many race motors. And and as I come to build these motors, they, after a while, you know, they're very old. They're like 30, 40 years old now. And when you look at them and try to refurbish them, you find that they're out of spec. And at a certain point, when you try to produce power, there was something going to fail because it was so old and uh, the engineering was old. And so then I built a turbo version of a 
356 push rod motor, a Dillabar stud, and all the special Porsche parts, all Porsche parts. And, and I put it in there, and it ran well. And then I sold it to the president of Portugal to Italy, and I didn't have a motor. And I physically said, you know, what's the next move? What would be the next great thing? And I physically cut pieces of a, a motor and fit it in my car. I said, you know, this is really going to work. And then I looked at it, and I realized that in the internals of this motor were all uh, symmetrical. Everything was organized to where you could shorten it and still keep the, the architecture and everything the same. And when you look at it, you say, you know, 356 motors had uh, three mains, two rods in between a main, and the Porsche has a main on every side of a rod. You realize that it's got durability. It was built to, to go Le Mans. It was built to, do, built to do all this high horsepower stuff. So I got excited about it. And uh, and since it did my speedster just like a glove, I said, well, I'm just going to keep going with it. So over the years, of course, I had them go out and cast to uh, make a casting pattern and we cast the block and machined it. And now we have a full-fledged cast aluminum block. And it's a very, very nice piece. I mean, if you're going to make something Porsche, you want to make it up to standards. Uh, the gentleman that does my casting does the Arius, the Shaver, the Dottom, and the Rodak, the Fontana, the Shelby. He does them all, and he's got a doctorate in metallurgy. And he told me if I break it, it won't be the it won't be a case of the guard coming through it. So yeah. anyway, I get long-winded. But, yeah, that's basically the way it all started, Mark. And and I could keep going, of course. I, I get long-winded because I get excited about this stuff. You know? Well, absolutely. And I just wanted my listeners who maybe aren't that familiar with the 356 motor and the 911 motor of of what was done here, because it's really cool. You've almost reverse engineered, if you will, what Porsche did going from a four to a six and then back to a four using a six technology. I think it's absolutely spectacular. And building something that's powerful makes these cars go a little faster and is uh, bespoke, if you will. Bespoke to Polo Motors is very, very cool. And as we continue on your journey, I always like to start by asking my guests for a success quote. This is some kind of saying that has a meaning for you, and it's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars, yeah? So, Dean, take the wheel. Well, uh, one would be, if it was easy, everybody had been doing it. And <laughs> yes. the other one was, when you get the Porsche, it's like Ferdinand Porsche said, not only was Ferdinand, I think it was Ferry Porsche said that if we knew that it had so much potential, we would have made it smaller. I mean, yeah. How have you applied that to these engines that you're building? When you think about that philosophy, especially that quote from uh, Mr. Porsche, Dr. Porsche, how have you applied that to what you're building? Well, when when you do after you cast the block and you you weigh all the parts, the motor's shorter and it's lighter, and internally it can be bigger than the original six cylinder. So. We did make it smaller because it did have more potential. And mm. and that's what, you know, a push rod, the original motor made 80, 90 horsepower, and this motor easily makes double that. So we've made it, uh, we've made it smaller and actually more powerful. advantage of that. Yeah, you know, powerful. and here's what's interesting. That's not unlike what Porsche is doing right now. If you look at the current 718 Boxer or Cayman, they've gone from a six to a four-cylinder engine, but they've created more power out of that smaller pack. So they kind of keep yeah. reinventing the same thing over and over again. I know a lot of purists, and I'm one of them. I love the six-cylinder boxer motor, and, and I'm like, what? You're going to a four? And uh, I don't think I like that very much. But 
You talk to people who drive that new 718, and uh-huh. it's a wonderful, delightful car to drive. And I mean, how much faster do you need to go than 170 miles an hour? I mean, really? Yeah. You know, so uh, yeah, it's a very, very cool thing. Well, let's go back in time and talk about a story that instigated your passion for cars. I think your dad was brilliant because... Growing up in Compton back in those days, it was kind of a rough neighborhood, if I uh, can think back to that time. And I'm sure your dad wanted to keep your hands busy and out of trouble. That old saying, idle hands are the devil's workshop. So you had a very smart father, and look at where it brought you. But tell us about a pivotal moment in your life when you knew you were indeed a car guy. Well, that goes way back. I think back, and I'm getting long-winded again, but when I was like four years old, we lived in Hungary Park. My dad was a high school teacher. And I, I, we moved, and I was in kindergarten in Compton. But in Huntington Park, my dad and I walked down to a park shop. He took the distributor out of his 52 Merc, and we walked down there. And, and he said, and he set it on the counter, and the guy gave it to him, and I was tugging on him. I'm looking at it. He takes the part, and we walk all the way back home, and he's, he's a hothead, and he's cussing and carrying on and he can't get this distributor back in this motor and he looks at me i'm sitting on the fender i said dad it's got the wrong end on it and he looked at me and he goes shoot so we walk all the way back down there again he says he says this boob this boob told me that you gave me the wrong part and so he went back and sure enough so we went back in and got it all and he said thank you dean and and when you're a kid, you're trying to please your parents. And, yeah. you know, my dad, he did different things. I mean, he hunted, he golfed, you know, he did a lot of different things. He played football, but he sort of nurtured me into, because my grandfather was a blacksmith, but, and, uh, and all his brothers in Greece were blacksmiths, but he sort of encouraged me to work on his machinery and, mm-hmm. and keep going with that, you know? So yeah. <laughs> that was probably the biggest, and that was way back. So, you know. Yeah, it, it must have been something for this little kid to tell his dad what was wrong. I mean, that that's pretty, pretty cool. I've had the same thing happen with my son when he was young, telling me things that were quite obvious that I was completely missing because my <laughs> my brain was somewhere else. And he, he kind of just want to go, don't be so smart, kid. But inside, you're glowing because it's your son and or your daughter. Yeah. And you think, wow, they're pretty sharp. That's pretty cool. Well, let's take a look at some of the many roads you've driven down. You've chosen a life that is that of an entrepreneur, and I commend you for that. But that's fraught with ups and downs and many challenges. And developing this motor of yours, of course, I'm sure had some challenges. So walk us through one of those that really kind of tested you a little bit. And tell us how that experience helped you gain even more momentum as you moved your business and your products forward. I had, when I started... When you when you do this, you you go to people. If someone would come to an expert and he say his ego would be involved and say, you know, can you do this? Can you machine this? And they say, oh, of course I can do that. And then they get halfway in there and realize that people at Porsche knew really knew some something about machining and how they could do it. So they declined. So after about three or four machinists, I found a gentleman who was a aerospace engineer, and he and he knew because he was an inspector, first of all in aerospace so he knew well how good it had to be it couldn't be a thousand off here or there it had to be perfect right and he put me on the map because he got it right everybody wants to believe they're the best and they can do it but there's a lot of little subtle things to doing what i do and casting a block that, that don't work and mm-hmm. even the gating the when i started off there was a gentleman he's retired and he went to work for this pattern company of pacific coast pattern and his name was Walter and Walter Faust worked in Michigan with his dad on the floor 
in a foundry. And he said, Dad, I don't want to be on the floor. I want to be up there making patterns. And so he's okay. So they sent him to school. And, and Walter was way ahead of everybody in making patterns the old way. And he knew gating and everything else. When he retired and went to work for Victor Gay at Pacific Coast, Victor, I was going to do the 56, and I probably should have because there's more of them out there. But he said, you know, for the same money I'll do, I'll make the pattern for the 9114. Well, when Walter got the pattern done and he gave it to me and I took it to Javier, right out of the gate, it worked. And Javier looked at me and he says, you know, whoever did this pattern was very, very good because it we, we've got usable parts originally. We didn't have to change the gating or anything to get it all work. And nice. that just sort of goes to show that from the start, I had great people involved to help me do this because without quality people and people understand things, uh, it's hard to get it done. Yeah. As far as the case goes, I think some of the things, the uh, warping, you know, when you when you go to first make the first cut on a motor, you got to start in the right place. And Javier explained that there'll be 35,000 out generally, you know, and sometimes it gets beyond that. So I think getting the first cut on a case originally was a little difficult. After that, the line board became a little difficult. Not everybody can hold it and get it straight. Uh, oil squirters, you know, they got to be dead on. They got to, you know, they got to pick those in, make those. I think even uh, Porsche, when they when they cut the uh, threads in the in the block, they were always a minus. Everything was a snug fit. And early on, of course, the first machinists they wanted to make everything big because it was simple. They could just go route it out. But no, it can't be that way. The Germans knew they had to be a snug fit, so we had to go back and get all minus taps to do all that and and make it like it should be. So. I mean, there's a, there's probably more than that that was involved, but yeah, it, it, like I say, you know, it was easy. Everybody been doing it, and not that I'm so good, but it did take some years to get onto it. I've been doing this oh, probably pretty close to 30 years when I started, and I cut the first one. The first one was sort of a novel because I cut uh, a aluminum case, and I had a gentleman who was a very good welder with a big square wave machine, and he turned it up, and when we I made a fixture to hold it all in line, and we heated it up with a rosebud, got a, a stick. We painted it with this compound, and then when it turned, got to 400 degrees, it would turn pink, and we knew it was hot enough to, to strike an arc on, so we'd strike an arc, and he'd be welding on it, and then it would cool, and he had, we'd have to heat it up again. And then the problem with that was that it warped, of course, and then I had mm. to take Mercedes bearings and get a special book and find bearings and cut them and make it all right, and then... I cut the nose off a crank, and it was an odd fire. It sounded like a Harley. It it, it went boom, boom, and skip, <laughs> and uh, really ran great. I mean, it, it really was an amazing motor. Well, running the day. Yeah, I think the takeaway I hear from all this technology is find a really sharp people to work with who know what they're doing because, my goodness, there's so many areas that can go wrong and not work, especially when you're moving into new technology or something new that doesn't exist before, so... Absolutely brilliant. This is very, very cool. Well, let's shift gears and go to the other end of the spectrum. I'd love for you to share what I call a career aha moment. It's a time when you realize something and say, that's the direction I need to go. So what would be yours? I think it was when when the president of Porsche Club of Italy wanted to buy my turbocharged pushrod motor. And then he said, what's next? And I, and I thought to myself, I think a four-cylinder 911 would be really neat in my car since I don't have that motor anymore. Probably then, 
There's so many moments I, I can think of, but I think that's the one that comes off the top of my head. Oh, yeah, yeah. most definitely. Absolutely. And I noticed also on your website, you have a motor uh, you put together for roof, Aloe Roof? Yeah, I did. I, I sold Aloe's uh, complete motor, and I believe it's in one of his cars there in Germany. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I'll remind our listeners, if uh, you missed that talk with uh, Mr. Roof, Aloe Roof, uh, he's on the Cars yeah website. Just go check it out. A-L-O-I-S is how you spell his first name, R-U-F. And, of course, for Porsche fanatics, they all know the name Roof is uh, high-performance, very unique, bespoke Porsche cars that uh, are absolutely incredible. So to have one of your motors in one of his vehicles, that is something very, very special. Well, let's go back in time and uh, talk about your first really special car, Dean. What was it? And maybe share a memory you have about that vehicle. I think it was the... My dad had a 69 911T that he got, and I think when I'd worked on it here and there, but I didn't know much about it as far as really the underpinnings and how it all worked. Everybody drove it, and then it was huffing oil and did it, but it never packed it in. It just kept going. As a mechanic, I'd build motors, and my brother would drive my cars, and he'd blow them up, and most likely he'd blow them up, but that 911 never packed it in, and I think back on it, it's like, you know, why would it pack in? It was engineered by the best people in the world, the Germans, 1962-63. So that was really sort of an amazing situation to have a car that you couldn't, I mean, I don't think anybody ever checked the oil. I mean, you just keep going and going and going. And being a mechanic, having something that wouldn't break, you want that. And yeah. I think that's one of the things <laughs> in, in my life. Especially so if you have a... Would break. Yeah. yeah, and especially if you have a brother that goes out and blows up your motors. <laughs> That's for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, give him give him a Porsche. He can't blow that one up. Well, how about seller's remorse? Is there a car you've owned over your lifespan that you really wish you had back in the garage? Well, yeah, I think I sold my speech, of course, to buy my little piece of property out here in Temecula. I'm working out. I have a, a license for Riverside, but I wish I had my speech back because I yeah. would put a polo motor in it. But, yeah, there's been a few cars over the years. I've had four can cars come through my hands and tell friends to buy them, and they didn't. And today they go, why did you kick me? I said, well, nobody knew, but I had a feeling years ago that, that all this stuff was going to be pretty pretty novel. You know? Yeah, yeah. There was a guy uh, up the street from me when I was a kid. I was in just getting into high school, and he had a Carrera Speedster and used to give me rides in that thing. And he decided to sell it one day, and I begged my parents to give me the money for it. <laughs> Of course, at the time, what he wanted for it was, I think, probably $2,200, which could have bought a brand new Vista Cruiser station wagon back then. And my folks just said, are you crazy, that old thing? We're not going to give you that kind of money for that. And I always love to remind them today that, uh, you know how much those cars are worth today? But who would have thought? Who would have thought? Well, let's talk about today and tomorrow. What are some of the cool projects you're working on right now that have you very excited and fired up there at Polo Motors? Uh, I had a gentleman call me for a stroker crankshaft. He's going to put together a motor that has an 84 crankshaft. I don't know what kind of bore he's going to use, but I know another gentleman is making a 2.9. It's a 82 stroke by 106. Well, if this is an 84 stroke by 105, it's going to be probably three liter motor. So wow. it should really push a 356 pretty hard. And the, the gentleman that's doing it uh, is in Germany. His name is Dirk. I forgot his last name, but oh, Shepherd, uh, mm-hmm. Dirk Shepherd. He's going to put it together there in Germany for this gentleman there back east in Illinois, and that's exciting. I, 
I also I'm looking into making a hydraulic fan set up for the uh, 911.4 rather than the gear drive, although I've got the gear, gear drive coming in the works. Uh, we're going to shorten a factory 934 setup to run on my motor, but I I think that possibly the, the hydraulic situation would be the way to go because even when the motor's not revved up, it would be cooling. I don't think you can get a hydraulic fan to run it. 12,000 RPM, but I think overall it might work. So yeah. I'm, I'm getting into that a little bit. You know, I'm converting a car, a C car. We're putting a 2.6 force on 911 in it. It's got titanium rods. It's got $6,000 with a head. The intake valves are 54 millimeter. They flow almost, the heads on the intake flows almost twice as much as the factory head. So that motor should make some serious, serious power. So, yes. I mean, I'm sort of like, you know, more, I mean, in, Everybody more is better. I mean, I'm excited just to see what this will do because in the past, Le Mans was the benchmark. And and when they told the engineers, we want a motor that will go 24 hours, balls out. And they said, well, we can make more horsepower over 24 hours. Go back. Finally, they inched their way up to motors that will make 24 hours. So with me, big motors, I think it will work because the potential in the Porsche architecture even from the early on when, when uh, Furman started the situation, all the race blocks and motors, the 6, the 8, the 10, the 12, all the motors are based on the same architecture. And when you look at it, uh, where it really shines is where it's loaded up with turbos and boost and everything else because it's got so much inherent strength. So yeah. I don't see any reason why these motors can't get real big with a little creativity and a little balance. I'm excited to see what they're going to do with this stuff because it just helps me. Ah, sounds like fun. Very, very cool. Well, here's a very introspective question for you, Dean. If Dean was a vehicle, what would he be and why? I think an Alfa Romeo. Oh, well, there you go. You went to a different mark on me here. Uh, A little Italian flair. Why an Alfa Romeo? Because it's low key. You know, it didn't come out in big numbers. And like an Italian car, it's got subtle lines. And with the Italian cars, with me, I, I sort of use this in my understanding of Porsche, but with the Italian cars, even when it was done wrong, it was done with their hands. And it was done with with basic, I would say, love. I mean, you look at the way they did things with their hands, it's like, it might not have been perfect, but you knew somebody put their hands on it to make it. Yeah. And the Alpha is the last, it's classy, it's, it's period. I don't know. There's something about an Alfa Romeo that's an Italian thing. I think. A passion. Uh, I, yeah, passion, yeah. yeah. Like the Ferrari, too, and the Porsche. I think all those three right in there, the, the Alfetta, the the Ferrari, and the Porsche are all in there. I mean, it was an era. Very nicely put. I like that very much. Well, Dean, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah sponsors. Everyone who knows me knows I'm really picky when it comes to my cars and keeping them looking new. I'm a huge fan of Covercraft floor mats. I've protected my vehicle with their products for decades. Want to keep your vehicle's interior looking new? It's easy with Covercraft floor mats. They will protect your vehicle's factory carpets from daily abuse, weather, pets, children, weekend adventures, and those everyday spills. It's a fast, easy, and stylish way to keep your vehicle looking new. Covercraft floor mats come in a wide variety of styles, materials, and configurations, all designed for maximum protection. 
In addition to Premier Plush and Berber Custom Floor Mats, you'll also find cargo liners, canine cargo area liners, dash covers, and sunscreens. Enhance your vehicle's looks while protecting the factory finishes with easy-to-install and easy-to-clean floor mats. Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark at Cars Yeah sent you. That's Covercraft.com. What's every automotive enthusiast's dream? To design and build that perfect garage. My friends at Metron Garage are a group of creative talents who've combined their passion for cars with their careers in architecture. Their service includes unique garage design and state-of-the-art fabrication. They will create the coolest custom garage for you and your vehicles. Metron Garage's system features fully engineered commercial-grade material and structural framing that's stronger than traditional construction. Their designs are pre-engineered to meet your building codes for fast, bolt-together construction. With over 25 years of experience, you'll see a 3D rendering to visualize your custom garage, and the final structure will fulfill all your storage needs. Contact Metron Garage today and begin realizing your dream garage. Go to metrongarage.com. That's metrongarage.com. Garages built for discerning enthusiasts. Where it's not just a garage, it's where your dream garage comes true. Okay, Dean, we are back and we're entering the last lap. I'm going to fire off a series of questions and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of that polo motor throttle. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? It's always something simple. (laughs) Very well said from a mechanic and an engine builder. Would you share one of your personal habits you believe has contributed to your many successes? Um. I'm always right. I don't know. I <laughs> there don't know. you go. There you go. Well, I think consistency is the key, and and that helps with uh, what you're doing as well as far you as know, putting motors I think together. You, Mark, I think you. I agree. Uh, consistency. I think that through all those years I've done it, I kept going. I said perseverance. Maybe yes. That's it. Yeah, and perseverance, tenacity. Yeah, all important with an entrepreneur. Now, how about a resource? There are lots of great resources out there these days that we can all tap into. Is there one that you really enjoy? You know, I have a gentleman, a friend of mine, Roman Hurtado. He was a Russian-Mexican, and he, he owns Slurry Slurm product, and he does a lot of stuff for Airbus, and he was inspiring because he let me have the run of his shop for the last 30 years. Bank of Welders, uh, they make the knockoffs for 917 race cars for Carl Thompson's car and everything, and Roman started with almost nothing. I met him. On a Saturday in the rain, he was on a ladder putting a gear on a punch, punch press, and, and his cousin was trying to introduce me, and he says, Roman, this is Dean, this is Roman, and Roman says, love to talk with you guys, but you know, I've got to get this press done in the rain. A guy holding an umbrella over there, you know, it's a nickel <laughs> punch, and I've, and I've got to get this thing done. And I'm thinking to myself, this son of a gun is, is committed. Yeah. And this guy wants to get this damn thing done. And over the years... He's that way. He's consistent that way. He's got to get things done. And, of course, he has a Ferrari, a 934. He's building a 917 and just salt to the earth. And if you look at him, you say, well, this guy can't know anything. And the guy's like, I respect him dearly. There you, you know? go. Very nicely said. Now, if I could arrange for you to have a drink with anyone in the automotive industry, living or deceased, who would that person be? My old friend, Milt Minner. I miss him. You know, and then mm-hmm. uh, as far as somebody in the industry, probably Ferdinand Peach. 
Oh, now that would be a guy. Yeah. Very interesting uh, individual to talk to for sure. Yeah. A dynasty in the Porsche family and Volkswagen, Audi and Porsche and racing. Yeah. Yeah. That would be a cool one. Wow. Mark or Mesger. I would love this. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Very, very cool. Well, we'll put them all three at the table. I think that'd be for a, a, a fun <laughs> afternoon. <laughs> oh, yeah. That would be crazy. Do now, you, do you know do you know Milvinner? No, I didn't know the gentleman. Oh, boy. Anyway, I'll talk to you sometime on that guy. This okay. This guy was out of, out of control. Yeah. Well, next time I'm in Southern California, I have a sister-in-law who lives in Temecula. I'm going to come out and visit you. I want to see what you're doing out there. And uh, I'll bring the drinks. We'll sit around and you tell me about your old buddy. How's that sound? <laughs> oh, yeah. No, you'll enjoy it. You could write a book. And, you know, he, he went uh, with, with Steve McQueen and taught him how to drive for, for Le Mans. And he went to do the movie. And uh, they put him up in the MGM hotel for two or three months. And he says, I can't even explain what went on. It was just out of control. <laughs> I'm <laughs> sure. Yeah, a lot of the behind-the-door stories for sure. How about a book? It, speaking of books, writing books, is there a book that you've read that you think our listeners would enjoy? I like the... Uh, Race engine technology. I I reached out. That's interesting for for mechanics and and guys that are building stuff because a lot of guys go through a lot of monkey motion to make what they want work. Yeah, uh, what they have work. But uh, as far as books, there was one on the nine seventeen. Excellence is expected. Oh uh, yes, uh, I think that's a great book. Yeah, one of many. But yeah, yeah that very very cool. Well, listeners, I'll remind you: you can find all these great resources Dean has shared on his Cars yeah show notes page. Just go to carsyad.com, type in Dean Palopoulos, P-O-L-O-P-O-L-U-S is the spelling of his last name. Or you can just type Dean in and you'll look for that page. And all these great references will pop up, including links to his website at Polo Motors. All right, Dean, we're up to the checkered flag. Today, I'm going to buy you any cool collector car on the planet, but you can only have one in your garage. You can't sell it to buy a bunch of others with. I want you to drive it and enjoy it out there in the beautiful rolling hills of Temecula, California. So what's it going to be? A Trabi with a four-cylinder 911 turbo. Now, now say that again, a what? A Trabi. A Trabi? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> okay, you're the first one to ask for one of those. Explain to our listeners what a Trabi is. Well, a Trabi is uh, a Trabant. It was built in uh, Poland, I believe, and it was the car that single-handedly polluted Warsaw and Poland because it was a two-stroke, and you had to add oil to the mix, and they had so much smog you couldn't see to the next corner from a block. One thing about a Trabi, I mean, I've got stories, Mark, I'll go on and on, but <laughs> I had a gentleman, he was a, he was a Czech, and he was helping my friend Roman do electrical work, and he says, I'm going to buy a car like you and work on it on Saturdays because we're down there, and he goes, oh, I said, you should buy a you should buy a, a Trabant. My buddy has three of them. And he says, and, and, no, I don't want one of those. And I said, they're pretty neat. He says, no, I'm going to get a Volkswagen. I said, well, why wouldn't you want a Trabant? He says, well, the goats eat them. The goats, <laughs> the eat, them. goats yeah, eat it. Yeah, I said, you leave them when you go, because he was from Yugoslavia. He says, yeah, you leave them for a day, two days, and the goats eat them. I said, what do you mean? He says, well, I don't know. They goats eat them. So come to find out they're made out of fiberboard. And when uh-huh. it gets damp. Yeah, and when it gets stamped, the billy goats go up and get hungry, and they eat the hood, eat the doors, and just eat them. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so so. But then my buddy brought a couple back, three of them back, and I said, you know, years ago I'd like to have a Trabant with a Volkswagen, but if I was going to do that, I'd put a Trabant with a 
it's just off the cuff. It's a, a Travolt with a four-cylinder 911 turbo. It would probably scary fast. You know? uh, yeah. It, well, you know, this is interesting. You are quite a character, Dean, because I just I just offered you any car on the planet, and you chose a Trabant. And <laughs> I, again, we, we mentioned it for you listeners out there. Look it up. T-R-A-B-A-N-T. I mean, this car was built between about 57, and I think they built them all the way up to 1990. Yeah. And yeah, just it's a little refrigerator on wheels basically yeah. i mean it's just a really kind yeah. of a goofy little deal and now that i know that ghosts will eat them it makes them even more special <laughs> oh dean well you have taken us on a great ride today i'm so glad that i pursued you and had you to guest here on the show i want to thank you for sharing your automotive journey with the cars yeah audience could you offer us one little parting piece of wisdom or guidance that you've learned over your lifetime before you drive off into the sunset with a goat chasing you in that beautiful little Trabant. Things don't look always like they seem. <laughs> yes. Well, that's not a bad one. I think that's pretty good, especially with someone who's developing engines and so forth. And what's the best way for our listeners to learn more about you and Polo Motors? I do have a website. It's polomotor.com or Advanced Performance Engineering here in Temecula, California. So if they like to contact me, they can get um, either one of those. And I think I might be in the phone book, too, Mark. Okay, there you go. The old-fashioned phone book. Well, listeners, I'll make sure I put links on Dean's show notes page. If you're not familiar with Polo Motors, uh, check out these links. Go to his website. It's beautiful. It has some cool pictures of these motors and cars. You can learn a lot more about them. And if you're fortunate enough to have an old 356 or a 912 and you want to put a kick-ass motor in it, give Dean a call. He will hook you up. Dean, thanks for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your experiences with me and the listeners. Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Thanks so much, Mark. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much. (laughs) This has been fun. Thank you. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, congratulations. You're ahead of most people. But what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy, too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimball.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. member, Finra Sipic. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah.